All right, here we go. It is podcasting time. Glenn Powers here from PowerWorks Automotive. We're going to talk cars. We got lots to talk about. I mean, yeah. we, we could just have a whole conversation about Collins Beetle. And you, you mean you got one coming? This is the race. He was out on the track. He was telling me the stories about just getting this thing ready for the road. Passenger door was a small problem with the automatic locking system. Who would have known in 2000 that they had electronic locking systems on these doors? Standard, it's a beetle. (laughs) That's what I said, ahead of its day. Uh, The the, the best story you had. And if you've missed any of this, the We Will Fix It podcast, the last episode started with this conversation about, about the beetle and the racing and... You guys doing some work on that car, and yeah. it just, just, it's a crazy story. Mitchell will have to, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. He thing. said he's bringing it back in, it's getting a full workover. Oh, no, I know that. Did he tell you that this morning? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's going to happen, but we've got a car for our garage. Yeah, I, so I was wondering how that's all going to work, because you've so, got a car, there's other cars out there. How's that going to work? I think there's, there's, we're pretty much sure we're going to get five. Okay. Pretty sure. What's five. ten, though? We need 10 because then we can, I, I believe, and I may have misunderstood, but I believe at 10 we can have our own series where they'll close the autodrome. Okay. It's just us. All right. So that'd be good. Yeah. Um, I mean, our car's going to win. <laughs> I, that's, well, I was just thinking you and DJ the thing is are working think, on, a, on, a, on a Volkswagen. Well, this so this is one advantage we've got. But the other thing is that Colin doesn't realise, and I'm quite it glaring me in the face, and it's quite obvious to me and DJ. Me and DJ, I remember both sort of, side-eyeing each other and looking at each other with grins <laughs> rubbing our hands together and licking our lips basically because it's garages putting cars together on a racetrack we're going to yeah. fight to the death yeah you yeah. can't lose to another garage yeah you just can't and and you know you you've got some maybe some little options you can put into yours within the rules are, are you going to fire one of those on colin's car I, I just can't imagine well this is the thing I, I'm, obviously i'd be more than happy any vw that comes in the garage is more than welcome and obviously there's a quite a strict set of rules in terms of it has to kind of be a standard car. Yeah. Do what you want to it within. Yeah. It has to stay road legal as well, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't, you know, can't get crazy, floor, cut the floor pan out and put a plastic one in and all that stuff. Mm. So we've got to, we've got to be, you know, it's got to be a road legal mm. as of now. I don't really care whether it's road legal or not. <laughs> Colin's idea, which is a great idea. <laughs> Is that the garages have them registered as the garage? So you have right. you have works teams. Right, they can so use that as delivery cars, or then we can use it and get exposure. It's yeah. branded and everything else. We've got two amazing looking vans, yeah. chef's kiss worthy of really looks. nice. And, and then you know uh, we're we're just about to finish an R thirty two Golf, so that'll be branded. Um, I need to finish my S six, so we're gonna have some nice cars. We don't need a race beat or plus. Exactly what's going to happen is it's going to go out on a Thursday afternoon, race day Friday, and get side side swipe, and then, yeah. and then I don't yeah. win the race. So it's a bit too risky for me to use it anyway, and I'm not just going to park it up. So we'll try and push for the no need to register it and get it just track ready instead of road ready, because then we can have some real fun with it. But garage is going against each other, <laughs> definitely. I mean, two is the, El Nubuda in on this? Because you know they're they're the Volkswagen. No, no they're they're definitely not going to get involved in this. <laughs> but it's it's all good fun. I, but I would think the boys over there and the and the ladies over there would want to be in on this. This is I speak to the after sales manager over there relatively regularly. Yeah, and he just said now the guy hasn't got time. I've asked him to come on here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this would be, I'd love to have the Alnabuda dude sitting the here. The guy's got no time to tie his shoes in the morning. He's back to Velcro. 
really? You know, it's like wow. literally, you know, yeah. he's he's talk about under the under pressure. Yeah, right? like mm. yeah. First time I met him, I I went um, to Bahrain to mm. meet the guys at uh, Bebahani Brothers who run the VW franchise there, and he was just floating on air. He was so yeah. happy. Everything was cool. It was 2013 or 2014. Uh-huh. Good time. Good time. On the way up here, everything yeah. was going good. We are you know, a few months out from the expo being announced and all that stuff. And then crunch, you yeah. know, and now it's like trim the fat, trim the fat. You've got too many staff. Mm, mm. We've got 50 bays. Why is there only a hundred cars booked in today? Yeah. Um, car sales go through the floor. Workshop, Flow goes through the floor. 100% nothing you can do about it. You yeah. can't go and sell cars. Right. So, yeah, he's... Um, Sounds to me like he's got a bay to work on one of these things. Yeah, That's yeah, what I'm exactly, thinking. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they never have the time. And the problem is, the guy's a master tech. Right. So I totally understand where his head's going to be at. And he's, I mean, that this... He's never going to be... It's just going to be too much of an OCD situation. Which yeah. I, I, me and DJ have already talked about this. It's going to be one of those where, look, this car's got our name on it. What we were going to do originally was operate a vehicle for a team and then have our own team mm. vehicle. But the problem with that would be then that anything obviously done by us to our car would be so blatantly <laughs> obvious because we've got another car out of the garage that's three seconds a lap slower. Yeah. So, um, plus the cost, you know. I mean, yeah, we're only talking yeah. about 20, maybe, it's probably going to be about 30, 35K to be approved and ready for a race. Mm. But it's, you know. It's time in there. It's uh, between four or five people. It's manageable. Yeah. And it's fun. And where else yeah. in the world can you do that? Yeah. No Motorsport's so cheap here. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And that <laughs> Autodrome is an absolutely fantastic. Underutilized. Under, absolutely underutilized. That yeah. We can't necessarily go through it after. We've, we've just had a little conversation off air before about the um, about the rules here. But the, the whole story about what happened with the Autodrome. Is, uh, is an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's information out there on Google. I've heard it passed on three or four different separate conversations, very similar story about it, but it's it's a Formula One quality track. Yeah. Better than, than Yas Island. Mm-hmm. Um, not used for the Formula One for, for, for a reason, as I've been explained to, but great track. Yeah. Really, really great, great track. They do the 24-hour races and stuff there. Yeah, so. which you can hear from where I am up <laughs> I near the country lakes. I, I always laugh because it's it's really close to the residential area yeah. of, of the ranches and and Motor City. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Sports City on the other side. Yeah. I mean, it's Well, I'm up right you can hear, out past the yeah, 611. You're on the, you're on you the can desert. Because the first time we lived there when it was during last year's 24-hour, mm. I thought it was people out in the desert because mm. we hear people in the desert quite often. Yeah. We're right up onto the desert, but no, it was the yeah. autodrome. It's like literally 24 hours of the noise, but it's yeah. not, yeah. it's it's more like white noise, kind of soothing yeah. when you're up there. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like. But then again, if you move to a place called Motor City, City. you kind of <laughs> expect it, right? You know, unless you thought you were going to be moving to Detroit, which nobody's yeah. doing. Yeah, it's like, I thought, oh yeah. <laughs> Hey, here's an interesting one today. Just a, just a curiosity. We, we will start jumping into some of these things. We've got a, a nice little list and, of course, uh, things, to, things to yammer on about. Do, do you think there are any actual regulations on the size of brake lights on vehicles? I mean, you have to have brake lights, but how yeah. big do they have to be? 
There must be a regulation on it. I don't. I don't know. There I mean, must I'm, be. I'm. I'm wondering, or because, and I. The, what brought this up this morning? I was behind a Land Rover Discovery. Right. Not the prettiest vehicle in the world. Oh, with the wonky plate, the new one with <laughs> yeah, no wheel yeah, on the back. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Horrific. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a little weird. So I'm, I'm driving behind this thing, and I'm, you know, you can't help but look at it because it's yeah, in yeah. my face. It's kind of like you know, when you're kidding, you shouldn't stare at somebody. Yeah, and it's just like, and I'm just looking. I go, what is it about that thing? And and all I keep thinking is, I wonder if it's nice inside. And I got another story about that, but I just wondered, is it nice to drive? I haven't driven one. I guess Probably I should talk is, to the Altire yeah. guys, right? Yeah, because I'm looking at it. And I'm going, it's, it hasn't sold me. But then the guy puts on his brake lights. And, of course, you've got, like, every vehicle. You've got the third brake light at the top of the back window, which is, you know, that, that strip. And then you've got the actual brake lights on both of the rear quarter panels that were really small. So yeah. you've got that whole braking, you've got that whole light system for your signal light and your riding lights. And the brake light is the small square on the outside piece on the quarter panel of each of these lights. So if, if you're looking at the yeah. entire light... Visualize this with a Google search. Yeah, take a look. You'll get it. If you're looking at the entire light, you're probably looking at, you know, a six-inch by four-inch piece. The brake light is yeah. tiny. The ti- the part that illuminates when you put on the brake is this tiny piece on each side of the whole light system. And I thought... How is that possible? Like it, it's such an underutilized piece of lighting that actually has a purpose to tell me this guy's putting on his brake, and yeah. the rest of it must just be for driving lights and signal lights. And and someone's made a you know a decision somewhere. But I thought, are, and that's when I started thinking: Are there no actual regulations on the minimum size or the you know the expected size? And I, I guess there may be in at the minimum. I don't know. There must be. There's a position regulation. I guess. Yeah. So it's in the right position. Yeah. And it's there, and it does come on, and you do see it. But as I'm looking at it, I was going, it's, it, you could miss that if they just flick it on, flick it off quick and that. It's, I mean, they are exceptionally bright. They are bright, i got to say. They yeah, are bright. Lights these days are ridiculous. <laughs> well, um, but I mean, I'm looking at the back end of this car, and it's making me feel a bit sick. <laughs> Why have they done that? It's not like, I don't it's know. like they've said, well, we used to have a wheel there, but we're not yeah. going to have a wheel there, but we'll make it out as though we have got a wheel there. Yeah. And we'll put the number plate off to the side. Yeah. It just looks like a boxer that's had its it's nose weird. broken. It's weird. It's a, but you know they sell lots of them. People love them. The finish looks great on it. Yeah, I mean, don't get oh. me wrong. Like it, it's it looks like a nicely built car, and, and the interior is a Land Rover, so it will be great. Yeah, and it will drive great because nothing really matches a Land Rover, does it? No, no. I just I don't know what they've done to the bike. Yeah, it's weird. It just it just, and it was just that. And so then, of course, I'm looking at all all the other vehicles that are going by, and I, you know, I'm seeing some of the old older things that are out there some of the older toyotas and a renault and and they're you know a, a bolt went by and man they're really a cruise went by they're really they've got these big massive lights and the brake lights are in your face like yeah. a, like on a lamppost right so i i just thought hmm, interesting it's a big car that discovery as well you'd think there'd be some proportional aspect to yeah, the minimum size I, I, there must be a minimum size they, i don't know surely i don't know see it's, it's sure. an interesting thing, obviously then it? again who determines that is it, it the mot the dot it, yeah I don't know who determines that. So maybe I, I would, I would think each country has its own because lighting is one of those things when people buy cars and say, Oh, can I take my car to another country? Yeah. Lighting is a big one. What kind of light indicators you have? And, yeah. and there's, there's hundreds of differences on a car when they start shipping them around the world that they have to build them for. Yeah. Things like yellow fog lights, yeah. which were, um, and, and, um, you know, that they were quite, a. Uh, they were kind of a, either an accepted or required thing in certain parts of North America. Mm. 
But in the UK, they weren't happy about them for a start, and you couldn't have them. Uh-huh. And then you got things like obviously which way they point because right hand right. drive, left hand drive, right, right. And I mean, there's you know, there's regulations on the speed of a signal, <laughs> exactly. the way the signal can flash, <laughs> yeah. how fast that can flash. There's, yeah. there's regulations on that. And hey, maybe maybe there isn't a size. Well, I'm, I'm thinking there's not. I think it is. Do what you want. As long as they're red and as long as on the outside. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of those things. I, you know, I, it was a mental note to myself. If I'm ever buying a car again, if I'm looking at it, make sure you check to see how visible the braking system is going to be. Yeah. Because I just want people to know I'm putting on the brakes. Which might sound like a really small, trivial thing. But. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that had it been getting on late afternoon, early evening, or nighttime, you certainly wouldn't have it. had the same yeah. thought. Well, and, and look, truth be told, I was driving west, so the sun was behind me, yeah. shining on the back of these vehicles, yeah. so it was the worst conditions. Yeah, and like you say, the high-level bright light. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what caught my eye anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. The The other one that, that caught my eye was uh, also my fingers yesterday is is was taking the slider windows out of the, the jeep and i noticed on two both doors at the exact same spot there's kind of like a sill piece of sill rubber okay that is starting to go back to nature ah and i'm i just I was looking i go what what's going on here and i'm going 2008 this thing sits out in the heat i do cover it so it's it's yeah. covered and i do but the the rubber which is it, you know really a cosmetic piece but i'm sure it does something yeah is is deteriorating like it's got it was it was soft it was gooey yeah they go horrible don't they and i was just going oh this is oh this is not good <laughs> one of the things is that it's you know obviously it's great to cover the cars up when we're parked and not using them but you do use those cars. You've done yeah. some good oh, yeah. performance in those cars and they do sit out years, yeah, yeah, and they, they are out for a while yeah Oh yeah, no, they 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 do get exposed to the elements and two or three hours every day of UV. Yeah, of an average for thirteen years. I thought that's pretty good. I thought that's a pretty good yeah. number. It's not bad, is it? But there's a lot of rubber now that we I couldn't gotta... do it. Humans couldn't do it. No, no. So it's not bad, really. But it does go horrible, and, st- and the problem is then it looks normal, and you think, what's that? You try and move it, and oh. as soon as it's fallen apart, then it's done with. Yeah, like you know, that's the end of it. But this. The issue comes with that's like you say it does have a function. It will probably be to channel water. I, that's what I look. I was looking at it, going, "What exactly does this do?" Because it's not the rubber that's sealing up against the door. I'm yeah. going, "Yeah, this is a channel. Channel water, or it'll channel air as it's being driven." Yeah. But you know, it could be worse, and it could be a car where it starts to go around the windscreen. Right. You know, these are the these are the ones that always baffle me, and it's always the people <laughs> that should know better. You know, it's always like it's always your established manufacturer. One that comes to mind just because it's an absolute nightmare trying to explain to a customer. Yes, I need to replace the whole windscreen. Is a couple of BMW models mm. where the seal around the glass comes with the glass. Oh, really? So you got to get the whole windscreen out and change the whole thing. That must be a big job. Yeah, and it's not cheap. I mean, glass isn't expensive. Let's. let's I'm always. I'm always surprised at how inexpensive windscreens are, and that's rightly so because it's the same way. This for me, seat belts shouldn't be expensive, Mm. but because they're all pyrotechnic now, the manufacturer is not the end of the world. It's the actual shipping of the part because they're pyrotechnic. They have pretensioners Mm. on them. They they become very expensive and. 
they have to be shipped very delicately because they're safety items. But for me, a seatbelt should not be an expensive thing. It's almost like, uh, you know, there should be a subsidy on them mm. from the manufacturer and the government to match. So that if, because the problem is if you've got a frayed seatbelt, yeah, okay, I better get that checked out. You know, they pick that up on the RTA test or the MLT test, whatever. And you go down to the to the garage and they say, yeah, it's like 2,000 dirhams to replace. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? Forget it. I'll burn the fray off and I'll put some clear yeah. nail varnish on the edge so it doesn't fray straight away again. Yeah. And I'll get on with it. But it's a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. I'm thinking they just don't sell a lot of them. No, they don't. They they. they, they but, Understandably, they don't, but they they shouldn't but, be as expensive. No, things. and and let's let's face it, seatbelts have been using the same kind of material, effectively, exactly the, the same, same mechanism forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's someone's got a box of them, and yeah. it's like we just churn these suckers out. Yeah, and it, this is this can't be expensive to make. Yeah. Whether it's one of the early like Kangol ones that they used to have in the old Beatles and stuff that were sometimes fitted on the front, mm. that were literally just a, a belt with a buckle. Um, to the, you know, retractable ratchet yeah. ones now, the belt itself is the same. Yeah. And whilst you expect and require a, a great level of skill in building them, they should be cheaper yeah. because people would change them more often if there was. I mean, I don't know. There are probably data out there on how many times an accident's caused a fatality or a serious injury where a seatbelt's failed. I wonder. There that's must a, be data on that. That's a good question. And I bet there are especially in America where the pushback against seatbelts from the motoring yeah. lobby was huge in the 60s. Do, do you remember those seatbelts they had where it had a little motorized drive in the door? So yeah. was the, <laughs> How often did those things break? Yeah. Forget the seatbelt, just the mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seatbelts that were inertia type so that you would, so you'd take the car for a test, like in the 50s and 60s, the classic American stuff. And you, so now you pull on them and the reel's an inertia reel and it will lock the ratchet and it right. stops it. Oh, yeah, I know But that. the old American ones had a weight in the door. <laughs> so you'd have to be driving the car and stop the car. The inertia was actually separate. It was the, the it was a, inertia was part of the door. So mm. the car had to be moving for it to work. So you'd have to roll the car and pull the belt and it wouldn't move. So you get the car into the test centre, the car's sat still yeah. in the test lane, they pull it and it doesn't lock, fail. Yeah. That's not how it works. <laughs> that must happen daily here because you see so many of those it must happen daily I've experienced it more than once maybe two or three times I've experienced that where we've had to go back to the test centre and talk to the supervisor and explain and show them yeah. and take them a drive I said look I'm driving if I brake I can't pull the steering wheel uh, pull the seatbelt sorry and oh okay yeah, and I'm sure they'll remember it for next time but yeah. that doesn't mean the testers do yeah. not everybody gets to the supervisor so you know there's, there's been there's been massive leaps forward with seatbelts. Mm. You know, you seatbelts now will automatically tighten as you go around a corner as the G's reach a certain level. Right. They'll automatically tighten before, as you brake, depending on your speed and how hard you and how quickly you hit the brake. Before you even notice the vehicle stopping, you'll feel the seatbelt tighten. I almost wonder, if, is there some electronic systems now put in so that it, it, the seatbelt has an effect with airbags? Because yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, tighten you up right away. It's all on the same system. So seatbelts and airbags yeah. are all on the SRS system. Supplementary restraints, they're all work together from the same control unit. But 
I guess. Oh, yeah, a point, point of reference is great for the quiz people. How many people see that SRS written on their steering wheel, on the dash, and have no idea what it means? Yeah, it used to be a big deal, right? Yeah. On the back of cars, on, yeah. the, on the window. Volvo yeah. used to put it on the, on yeah. the windows. <laughs> that, was, that was in the day. Now yeah. every car has it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's taken for granted as well. Mm-hmm. But I would guess, say, we see, as an easy number, 50 cars a week. I reckon... Five of them would have a frayed seatbelt. Fifty cars a week. Really? Uh, you take if you take High fifty cars a week. That's a lot. You're saying at least two hundred to. You're, you guys got a modest garage. You're saying two hundred odd seatbelts. Some cars have only got two. Some have got yeah. five. Some have got seven. Maybe two fifty seatbelts. So of those, I would say five every week would probably wow. have a frayed seatbelt. Hmm. So then to go to somebody, especially in our situation where a lot of the cars we see are at least six years old because don't forget the last five or six years manufacturers have been given five-year warranties yeah <laughs> so we're not seeing them till they're six years old yeah to tell somebody yeah you know the seatbelt that you probably don't use that often is frayed it's two thousand dirhams to replace forget about yeah. it no you know like no and I just think it's one of those like glass. We got onto this because glass is quite cheap, and it, and it should be because it's a it's safe and and it's so important for people to get it replaced. It's yeah. so important you can't see if the glass cracks, and and, so and here with with our sandy environment, they, it just gets sandblasted. Yeah. You know, yeah, it definitely is a good thing that how cheap it is. Now I'm sure that's not because of what we're saying with seatbelts because of subsidy. It's just from a happy coincidence that glass is relatively inexpensive mm-hmm. to replace. But the, the, but the systems for the replacing of them, you know, like you said, with a, with a Beamer, some of the BMWs have got now rubber around them. The rubber yeah, so they come with the rubber and the chrome trims. Yeah, that's as soon as you start playing with that. What about what about the windshields that have integrated antennas? Or yeah, so this is the other thing, right? So now they're all <laughs> we're all got antennas in there, sat nav, and uh, GPRS and and radio. Yeah. So my so yeah, my vehicle is easy. It's twenty minutes. You can yeah, you, know, yeah. you take your fishing thing and you yeah. saw it out. You put down the black junk, put it on, walk away. Yeah. But you know some of these more high tech vehicles, you're looking at hours. Yeah, yeah. You got to be very careful. You got trims to take off on the inside, yeah. trims to take off on the outside, and yeah, it's it's often overlooked. I suppose it's one of those, isn't it? Until you've had one fail on you, you don't really know. Mm how much of a thing it is to deal with. And uh, and what's good here, which wasn't the case when I first came here, or it wasn't as widely used, more and more now, they do the mobile replacement. Yeah. So they'll, they'll come to you and replace it at work or at home. Yeah. And your insurance will take 50 dirhams excess or yeah. maybe not even anything. And then it's done. And it's good. That's yeah. great. No, I love those. I've had multiple windshields replaced yeah. by guys and they come up, they got all the equipment. They know what they're, that's all they do yeah. is windshields. And they take yeah. one look and they go, oh, thankfully. Yeah, it's a Wrangler. Yours yes. is easy. Yes, it's a Wrangler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's uh, it, and I'm always amazed, also, just at at the fact that it's just held in place with this black adhesive. Yeah, like that's it. There's no screws. There's no brackets. There's no. The windshield is held in place with this yeah. black windscreen sealant. Nice. So, yeah. Very very strong. Yeah. DJ and myself, we've repaired our work boots with windscreen sealant. DJ's repaired suspension bushes with windscreen sealant on his own car before. Last forever. So it's, and they do have to cut it, like the cheese wire that we call it, yeah. they cut it out with, is tough stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they get through, it's not like that one will last them forever. This is steel high tension wire. Yeah. But they still have to replace them because it, it wears it out. Yeah. You know, it's really good stuff. 
That's crazy. Um, I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit about the the modifications that our good friend Andrew Thomas is doing to his. Is yes. is he venturing? And, and he he was very excited about all of the uh, work he's doing. And he said, "Man, it's like you know Amazon. Amazon's become my new best friend." And I'm just going, <laughs> "Someone yeah. take away this guy's Amazon so. account." So and and he he led off the conversation. He says, "Oh, does Glenn talk to you about my my modifications?" And he starts off with, "Where do you start?" Well, he, he started. He started by going. I got this wonderful dash cover, <laughs> and he's going, "Dude, it's only twenty five dollars." And I'm just going, "Oh my!" He's he's gone over <laughs> to the dark side of car modifications, and you know he's describing it to me. He said, oh, "There's a few cracks on that that dash," so I put this on, and I'm just thinking, "Cheech and Chong," you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite that, but. That's a great reference. It's not quite that, but no, it's look. There's a there's a great um, a great channel called Donut Media, uh-huh. and I don't follow them on YouTube. I just watch them when they come up on Facebook. Some of their videos are fantastic, and the best ones are when they buy the ten most popular accessories for cars off of Amazon. Okay, and then they rate them. Yeah, and then they buy the ten most stupid and they rate them. And the ten lowest rated, the ten highest rated, and they do various. Yeah. It's a lot of product they're buying. Oh man, I mean, there's things on there. <laughs> Who's even come up with this? You know why? There's not. This is not. This has solved a problem that didn't exist in the first place. So you know, Andrew so far has been quite lucky yeah. in that he's managed to stay sensible in his what is effectively not a very sensible practice. He's modifying his car. He's got a midlife crisis coming on. I, 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 I'm not I, sure it's that. You know, I think it's coming. I think he's just revving up for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure it's that. Yeah. What happened was. He's realized that he can't really sell the Tahoe. There's mm. not really anything and wrong he, with it. He's it's got a, a good year car. too. Like his, his is that year, the in-between year, where they're still kind of round, yeah, but they're getting a little bit square. and Built like tanks. Yeah. Really relatively easy to fix. Um, we had to machine his diff tube out last time because the bearing collapsed and it wore the diff tube out. So we had to weld it back in uh-huh. and then machine it out to a perfect circle again so we could put the bearing in for the drive shaft, for the axle shaft, the half shaft, whatever you want to call it. And... That was like that was a job. That was like that. That was one of those jobs where I wish we'd recorded it. That sh- that would have mm. been great time lapse video. That um, so uh, so just cathartic to watch it. It was really yeah. really cool. But anyway, we did it, and he spent he spent some sensible money on the car, fixing problems that needed fixing, and yeah. getting it up and running. So his last bill was chunky, and he paid it, but. He'd painted his wheels. That's what he's telling right. me about. So he painted his wheels with a whizzy can from the Ace Hardware or wherever he got it from. And then we washed his car and blasted the paint off with a, with a pressure washer. So I didn't know he'd not primed it. I didn't, well, I should have guessed, really. He never said he had. I just assumed. Oh, yeah. So we pressure washed it and it blew the paint off. Uh-huh. So we redid them. And you always thought, oh, that's great. I really forgot how, how, how much I enjoyed this. So then he did the Chevrolet logo on the front. Right. Masked it all off with me, and I can imagine him there with the newspaper and the yeah, tape. Yeah. And obviously, he's got his um, he's got his kids, so his kids yeah, would have been watching. And that's out. a great thing to watch your yeah. dad do. And you know, he's masked it all up and painted it, and he's chuffed with himself. And then he's got this dashboard cover from there. And I, th- I can't remember if he got that because he's just always wanted one, or if his dashboard was. Actually I think cracked. he said his dashboard was cracked. I think it probably was, but I think secretly he's always wanted one. Yeah, but it fits perfectly. 
Well, that's what he's saying. There's so, I mean, he's, he's a year model that it just works and the yeah. number of products that are available. Yeah. So they're, it's incredible and they're cheap. Yeah. And about two years ago, he lost his key fob, his yeah. remote, his remote um, entry and locking fob. So he lost that. So he's always been using the manual key. So he bought a set of key fobs and we managed to pair them up for the lock-in. We cut the blades on the new keys that they came with and got them to start and coded the immobilizer in. So now he's got two keys that work with fobs and one manual key as a spare. So he's back to the 20th century with yeah. having remote locking. You know, There we go. And that was a f- only a few dollars. Um, I mean... Yeah, he said the bigger the, the getting them the, caught and paired was in it. Yeah, he said the pairing was more expensive than anything, but yeah. still miles cheaper than if he'd gone back to the agency and gotten yeah. the two thousand dollars for a key. Yeah, which they don't cut on site, so you order it for the car. Now, if the car's ever had any changes, then oh, that's going to come out as it was from the factory, not how it is now. And you've got to give your passport. You're right, which is totally understandable. Do you think I anyone cannot- goes back and looks at that stuff though? <laughs> Well, I know they take they take all sorts of information when I go get keys cut, and I'm just wondering: is anyone ever going to go? Do they, it doesn't get put I, onto a database. Does anyone? I guess it's a matter of, you know, for the in the event of a crime, I guess you know, somebody stole my car. Did they? Let's check. How have they done that? Oh well, they must have had a key because there's no sign of forced entry. Well, I haven't given them a key. My keys are here. Then they're going to go and check all these locksmiths and what I have guess. you. So, yeah. There's, there's obviously, it's, it doesn't really happen here, but it's there as a fail-safe, I yeah. guess. But from the dealer, they've got no choice. They've got to submit that to the factory. Right. So, you know, that's that's just the way it is. But, yeah, you're talking a couple of thousand dollars for a key yeah. supplied and programmed from the dealer. That's a lot. That's a lot. So what, what do you think he's going to do next? Because he's, uh, he's... Supercharger. Having... Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about you a know, tune. He, he, we he, talked he, about a tune on it. It's, you know, those LS engines can take some yeah. power through them. We prob- It's not a turbo. It's not a supercharger. There's but not we, massive amounts, but you get another 30, 35 horsepower from a software tune on it. Okay. Get, yeah. get, him, a nice, get him a nice exhaust upgrade. With a higher flow rate and a and an intake upgrade, you might get to forty five, fifty horsepower, which is a that's decent, yeah, yeah, you know, chunk, and it'll sound better and respond better. Mm. The thing is, you've just got to realize that this has all been done to an engine that's worked. Yeah, done a lot of work. Last time we had the classic LS issue of uh, fluctuating oil pressure. Right now, it's very unusual for the oil, in my experience. Joey Wu was going to probably have different experience, certainly in a climate that's like theirs compared to ours. But in my experience, it's very unusual for the pressure sensors to fail. Mm. But we took the pressure sensor out. It was showing zero oil pressure on the gauge on the dashboard. Put the man- manual gauge in, it showed an oil pressure of about three bar. So we were happy with that, and it wasn't fluctuating. So we put a pressure sensor in it. It was okay. But then we got the f- gauge to fluctuate. Right. Now on those, there's an O-ring that sits in the bottom of the engine around the pickup that basically, like a straw in a drink, sucks oil mm. to the pump. Um, or the pump sucks oil through, sorry. And there's an O-ring on it, and it, de- it degrades and splits. So then the oil, it's like trying to drink, uh, well, take the straw analogy is perfect. You put a hole in the side of your straw while you try and have a drink. Yeah. Can't do it. Or try and have a drink through a straw without closing your mouth. It doesn't happen, does it? So... The same effectively happens. The oil can't get pulled up through 
and the open can't pump enough oil around, so the the the, the level will, the level of pressure will fluctuate, and um, so we just took the sump off and replaced the O ring, put it back on, and that was that. It was done, right as rain. Mm. But mm. you know, the engine that's one seal in the engine. Yeah. There's there's hundreds of others. That's the common one for failing, just because of where it is and the hammer it gets and the carbon mm. it's constantly surrounded by oil and etc. Yeah. etc. So that's done now. Um, he's done a lot of highway driving on it, not so much town driving, so that's probably a good thing as well. So a bit of a tune on it, a bit more fun, you know, exhaust intake. A little lift, maybe? I say lower it. Lower it? I say lower it. <laughs> See, everyone's always wanting to take it up, but he's, but he's, he's going to You're not going to use it. You could, but you're not going to use it in the desert. Right. I, I, the last time I remember speaking to Andrew about him camping in the desert here was never. So, I, you know... We were, we were like, look, we're, we're, and we're classic like him in a sense. You know, we, we were big campers. And now when someone says, you want to go camping, it's like, oh, that's a lot of packing up. My argument is exactly <laughs> the same. My argument with that is that is not any time. That is not a break. You go for a picnic in the desert. You go for a camp in the desert. You're taking the same amount of equipment. And then, then you, you get home. Everything's you, full of sand. You've got to get the tent back out to dry it out. And you've got to put everything away. The barbecue needs cleaning. Yeah. you got to detail your car because it's yeah, now yeah. full of sand. I'm 100%. So Everyone's we, sat here listening. What a killjoy. Yeah, that's that what they're saying. Me. Come on. The desert It's beautiful. you got to no, love it. Is. it. Yeah. It, it is. is. I'm happy to go a few, few hours a day and then go home. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. It's not a break. Camping is no... Well, and, and you know, it's, it's not like you're camping at a... You know, it, it, back in Canada, we'll have provincial parks or national parks. So yeah. you have, you know, outhouses and you have toilets. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can go in and you can camp and you, you know, they've at least got, they've at least, got, even if it's chemical toilets, they've got something somewhere. Yeah. You go camping to the desert, you're on your own, baby. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like you're taking, yeah. either you're yeah. taking something or you're digging or, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's no break for me. We've got neighbors that do it all the time. Like, yeah. Lit- and then, and they spend like, Two hours on a Friday morning packing the truck up, yeah. and then three hours on a Saturday evening unloading. There's loads of things in those five hours, <laughs> and that's without the stuff they have to do when they get in the house, washing yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's just me. That's just to me. each his own. To each. Yeah, his own. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and it's great stuff. I do, like you say, I love going out in the desert. It's great, but it's not not for staying. Mm. And that's why I think you think it, you should lower get it, lower it, lower the suspension a little bit. Lower it. I was telling you about our van yesterday. We just. We just cut the springs. <laughs> we just we just took the springs out and took an angle grinder to them and cut the cut the springs a, a, a coil at a time. Took two off the front and one and a half off the back, and and load it down. Now it doesn't drive like any other van. It's very uncomfortable. You've got to be very careful on speed bumps, but it looks great. Lower profile tires, yeah, slight, you know, gloss black wheels, and it looks good. But, but it's not the most functional van anymore. But who buys a van for function? <laughs> Talking about function, uh, a friend of mine just leased uh, Mitsubishi ASX. Yeah. And I said, so, <laughs> thoughts? And he goes, it's a really nice looking car. And whenever... Yeah, it's probably fair for Mitsubishi. He said, whenever you start a sentence with, it's a nice looking car. As it's a, like the good sense of humor yeah. in a, in a, in and, a singles ad. And, and then he said... What we all know about Mitsubishi, and, let, and, and look, Mitsubishi does some great stuff, but Mitsubishi products don't tend, and we're talking in the automotive industry, and I know someone could say, no, you're totally off base, but I'm using the Pajero as, as the benchmark here. 
the technology and the the refinement of that ride hasn't seen a whole first, lot of innovation. First of all, in twenty years, two words: technology and refinement do not go together with Pajero. <laughs> and and I would go on to say, pretty. I mean, you're looking at a Lancer. You're you know the 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 ride of these vehicles tends to be. I'm going to use the word agricultural. Yeah. To get a sense of what it is. And that's exactly the way he described it. He said, look, it it looks nice. It doesn't draw and so he's you know, he's a Nissan guy, he's a Toyota guy, and he's gone through a variety of those vehicles. The the, the Nissan Pathfinder when it was an SUV. I mean it still is an SUV, but it looks like a minivan now. It doesn't look like you know, the old the old versions of those Pathfinders that were off road wonders. Yeah. You know, he was one of those guys who owned one of those as a family vehicle. He's saying, doesn't drive like a Nissan or a Toyota. It's a little rougher. Yeah. And, and you know, and he said, but, you know, it, it, you're getting what you pay for. And yeah. and I got a great deal, so I can live with that. As I said at the start, for a Mitsubishi, it's not a bad-looking car. Yeah. doesn't mean it's a good-looking car. That's, you know, mm. just for a Mitsubishi, yeah. it's not bad. You know, it's like saying it's fast for a milk float. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that what it is. But... Mitsubishi kind of filled that space of incredibly reliable Japanese mm. car. Well, in that, yeah. But you're not overpaying. Like you, you overpay for Toyota stuff here. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, Toyota is not worth the money that they charge. I, there's mm. no way a Prado is two times the car of a Pajero brand new. No way. <laughs> two times plus sometimes. No chance. And the price you pay for Land Cruisers and Patrols, which they could put another zero on the end, and there's still sell thousands of them here. Yeah, yeah. But... They're not twice the car the Mitsubishis are. However, with the Nissans and the Toyotas, the tech is a bit more refined. Mm, mm. They are quieter inside. You don't feel every bump in the road. But at the same, then the opposite of that is, you'd say, I didn't want that. I never want to have to fix this car. I never want it to break down. And I want the extra 100k in my pocket after buying it to enjoy myself at yeah. the places that I use it to drive to. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's for me the Mitsubishi stuff is like my granddad had an E-Reg, so our plates come out every year with a letter of the alphabet or at the moment it's the last two numbers of the first four digits. It's complicated <laughs> for any North American to understand. <laughs> so we buy a car in March or September with the new plates. You can buy any time of the year, but the new plates are released in March and then again in September. My granddad had an E-Reg, which was a 1988, 1988, I think, 88 or 87, Mitsubishi Lancer. Mm. Apart from the fact that it had a tape deck in it, I (laughs) challenge anyone to tell me it was any different to the ones that are sold today. (laughs) They're they're not. They're going to be exact. And they might even come with a tape deck still. No. They, they they do what they do. Yeah. They, they, that car went forever. It was, and hey, the worst you, colour burgundy on the outside, the worst combination of, before grey was cool, grey and brown on the inside with yeah. like black piping around oh, the seat. Yeah, yeah. And a tape deck in it. And yeah. orange lights, which they stuck to. They've still got orange lights. Crappy orange bulbs <laughs> in the back of the dashboard still. So, but I don't think they care. Well, they obviously don't care. They've only just killed the Pajero off, which yeah. should have happened 10 years ago, really. Like, well, I think people keep buying them. They, they know well, what they, they are. Of course they do, because what a price. And they, they buy them, and they know that, hey, you know what? This thing's reliable. And 
even if it's not reliable, now I got to go get it fixed. There's well, been, they've been out so long, people know how to fix them. If you if you were to take if you were to take the, the pinnacle of a car for me, which is let's let's be obviously the honest answer from me is a Golf GTI. Right, a Golf GTI in the UK. If I want it as I want it, manual, couple of extras, but not too crazy. I'm paying over thirty thousand pounds mm. easily, and if I'm waiting for a club sport or an R, I'm paying forty thousand. Forty thousand pounds. That's oh, two hundred thousand dirhams. Yeah, I can get two seven-seat Pajeros with screens in the back for the kids. <laughs> for that, yeah. There you go. Who's not going to do that? <laughs> so of course they've only just. They should have done it ages ago, and they should have. Or they should have said, "We're going to redo this. We're going to have a new." The problem they've got is they could never improve it. Mm. Apart from filling it with tech, yeah, insulating all the doors. But then the issue then is they haven't got the engines. Mitsubishi not so long ago were using Volkswagen diesel engines because they haven't got the ability to create an engine. There's no, mm. the, the, I'm sure the money's probably there, but there's no capacity of the factory or whatever it may be to do that. So the diesel engines were VW ones. We were getting Mitsubishi's into the dealer at VW, you know, because they had yeah. no idea what they were doing with the engines, and that was just how it was. So we, if you were to take the the Pajero, how do they improve on it? They work off road. So you don't really change that. If you change the chassis and the platform, you've then got to change the way the engine fits. If you're going to do all this, you're going to put a new engine in it. Well, we haven't got a new engine, so we're going to borrow one from somebody. Then all of a sudden, it's not a Mitsubishi, and you're asking yeah. for trouble. Right. So it just works. Get rid of it, you know? And, yeah. and I don't understand why they're getting rid of them, though. That's the other thing. Well, the problem is you're never going to make them good for the environment. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. That's going back to the whole argument that the it, the tech is and the way things are designed and the engines are just... When I started so- Arpeggero up on the drive, if I started up in the morning to cool it down for two, three minutes before the kids got in for school, it would set off the smoke detector and the um, <laughs> carbon monoxide detector in the kitchen. No. And that, that's literally going to the back door, Yeah, start the car, coming back, and obviously just not shutting the door behind me, coming back and yeah. shutting the door. And then they go off. Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> that's that's yeah. just wrong. Yeah, that's just how, you know. Yeah. And apologies to Colin because he loves the Pajero. Well, he doesn't drive one, though. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There, isn't that he has really? done for a long time. Yeah, but, yeah. And there's a, they have kind of got a bit of charm to them. Yeah. But, well, I, I think what I love about the Pajeros, they just all look the same. Like they haven't really changed in twenty years. It's it's okay. Yeah. They've got you know they've rounded it a bit and they've moved the tire just a bit. Yeah. And, but really, nothing's changed. So yeah. it's it's like an old friend. Yeah, but nine elevens kind of all look the same, and they've got better. <laughs> so depending on who you talk to, of course. Good I do, point. I, I take that think, point. I, I take that point. I do think they've got better. I mean, I I, I think with 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 the ASX, which is what we started talking about. We've we've had a few in and great car, but they always to me smack of a rental. Mm. Well, it, it is leased it. So yeah. this guy's it's a leaser. I I, I can't yeah. see there's not much depreciation because there's not much initial value, which yeah. is another good thing about them. And like I say, they're gonna be great. Reliability. Never yeah. gonna have a problem with it. Tires brakes, oil change. Right. You're done. Yeah. And that's what you want. Yeah. And you know, and, and he, he instantly Looking at that ASX, going back to it, he's, he's looking at it. And he's going, you know, it kind of has the Nissan look of some of these funkier Nissans yeah. and these Toyotas, and but it's not one. No. <laughs> so it's like, anyway, there we go. It's the, what, what else you got going on in the shop? You were you were sharing a story with me, and, and we don't want to go to the whole end of that story, but it was talking about coolant systems and mm. failures and 
What a story. Yeah, I still sort of pinching myself that it actually happened. <laughs> it's, it's, like it's, it's, it's like it was a setup by a master tech just to see if you could figure yeah, it out. Yeah, one of those that you get on your assessment. Yeah, yeah. It's probably that's not a bad uh, analogy that. We, we got a, a Land Rover in and overheated. Nothing to do with being a Land Rover, all cars overheat. Yeah. And after taking the car and testing it, we got oil in the water. This is long story short. Obviously, there's in-betweens. Yeah. Oil's coming from the engine oil cooler. It makes absolutely no sense not to change the transmission oil cooler at this point. So change the coolers, flush the system out, check all the hoses, make sure they're all okay, clean them out individually, put it all back together. Cannot get it to bleed properly. Can't get the air out. Realise they're getting pressure in the top hose. We do a combustion leak check and head gaskets failed. Take the spark plugs out, leave the engine 20 minutes. Crank the engine, water coming out of the cylinders. Excellent. So do the same again, send a video to the customer. Yeah. Really sorry, head gaskets failed. It's overheated one too many times. We've had oil in the system. This is what it's going to be to fix it. And by the time you've put the head gasket repair on, which we can now do on the 5-litre V8s, which couldn't do before, so oh, okay. the parts weren't available. Um, loosely based on, well, it is a Ford V8, kind of loosely based on the Mustang mm. 5.0 is a 4.9 I think <laughs> 5 sounds better they rounded yeah, yeah. up they rounded yeah, yeah. up well what was Ice Cube <laughs> yeah, what was it Vanilla Ice so you've got um, a situation where the car's worth 40k your bill's 30 plus yeah and then you're going to have tyres brakes and oil change again in yeah. the next 6 months I mean you're looking at it going it's just a, what do you do yeah you know it's always that one though, because you don't want to get a new car either. Like, it, it, no, exactly. You might be buying another used one, which you're buying more problems. Yeah, you know, but you can't. But then you can't sell it with a blown end head. head yeah, gasket. you can't do that either. So, I've known the guy for a while. He's a really, really good customer, and appreciates information. Mm. So, just have a chat with him on the phone. So, look, we don't pride ourselves on these kind of repairs. We don't offer them to everybody because not everybody's got the the, the right um, capacity or character, let's say, to accept what I'm about to tell you is I'm going to ask you for some money now to try something that's probably not going to work. But if it does work, we don't have to spend any more money on it. You know, not everybody likes that. Yeah. So we'll get some liquid gasket and it's basically, um, I don't know what's in it, yeah. but it's some kind of, Witch's brew in a bottle that you pour in the coolant system yeah. and it fills holes and cures in How, the hole and seals them. So, is this going to last them long enough to get them six more months out of this Who thing? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, you never know. Who knows? I've you know, never done any kind of long term testing, yeah. to be quite frank. Anytime it's ever happened, they've gone with the car straight away and traded it in. They just yeah. wanted to be able to trade it in, which is what's going to happen here, I assume. So, we pour it in with, with like I said to you yesterday when I was telling you about it, I think it's like a 10%. I expect a 10% success rate. Mm. Never found that 10% until yesterday. Yeah. And it worked. And I was like, no, it can't be. Let's drive it again. <laughs> Let's drive it again. Keep it in second gear and drive it again. Let's drive it again. Drive it again. It's fine. Left it to cool down. Plugs out. 20 minutes later, cranked it. No water. Combustion wow. leak check. No pressure in the engine. Everything okay. It's amazing. So. Who knows what's in that stuff? You know, 350 certainly- dirhams later, the customer's... 20 grand bills disappeared and he can go and trade it in. Yeah. And I told him and told him and told him before and I've told him and told him again after, I have not fixed your car. 
This is like, you know, you've been axe wound on the back and you've put a a band-aid over it. Yeah. It's not fixed, but it's okay for now till you get somewhere to get it either off your hands and traded in. Mm. Um or you you know, you run it into the ground and next time it goes you're re- prepared yeah. to repair. Yeah, you're done. Mm. Interesting story. Yeah, and I'm, you know, these things are sold as working as as something that works. We just never had, you know, the, the, <laughs> Yeah, they're not going to fill a hole in a block. No. So if a head gasket's been worn through and it's gone through the block or the head, they're not going to sort that. But this was obviously early stages, and it's it's repaired the gasket effectively, and it's been okay. Mm, so nice, happy days. Yeah, happy Good days news. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else you got going on in the shop? What else is catching your attention these days? It's busy because we've got. I'm trying to open a shop in DIP whilst managing and running the one in Alcus. Obviously. Um, me and DJ are headless chickens a little bit at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But there's plenty going on. We're, we're trying to, at the moment, we're trying to input processes. It's all about getting the processes right. We're, we're working. It's so a, important, you know, how, yeah. how, to, how to follow through on things. One of, the, one of the problems is, you know, it's very easy to say, well, you own the business or DJ, you're the manager, you need to delegate. But it doesn't work like that <laughs> because we've got a way of doing it which if we leave people to try and do, and then invariably falls down. Right. So then we try and, or don't try, but we, we end up micromanaging every aspect of it. Yeah. Then you forget what you were doing before. So something else falls down. So you go back to sort that and then the process falls down. And, and then you're just back and forth between things. So it's, it's difficult that we became so busy so quickly and we weren't able to get these put in place yeah. gradually. Plus the fact that the first year of, being open, I was on my own, whereas originally DJ was going to be here, but COVID happened yeah. and what can you do? So it's it's a matter of just catching up with everything and keeping it on. Obviously, we're going to more than double effectively in capacity when DIP opens. We'll have the same number of work bays, but more physical ground space. We'll have more parts in stock from Borg and Beck so we can save time on parts mm. supply, save money for customers because the parts price will be much better. And these things are taking up a lot of time but they'll be worth it in the end yeah uh, the garage is ticking along usual stuff coming in we're we're looking at um launching a uh, a club oh. like a, an invitation only club which would be a monthly subscription we're just trying to work the price point out depending on the vehicles which vehicles we can exclude and which vehicles we can include so that you know somebody comes in and has a 7k bill we could say to them look if you'd have paid 400 a month this would have all been covered you know so for five grand for the year effectively or if you pay it up front maybe four thousand for the year we cover all these things you service in your recovery this this and this um does two things from a purely business point of view it helps our cash flow yeah we start off every month positive with money coming in um or a lump sum up front it increases our buying power because we've got money to then buy parts and get a better price oil and parts have gone up horribly really? I'd send a letter to Colin to say that their prices have got to increase I've got no choice I'm very sorry I mean it's been yeah four years since they had an increase yeah. you know so we've just got to that point where we have no choice but if we can increase our buying power and that only comes with having cash you know yeah. we've got to the point now where we need to stop paying this investment back yeah so we can't be saying ah well I need that money for this so we try and get customers to 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 be there um 
and, and like I say, from a business point of view, it increases that buying power so we can, but also from a customer point of view, peace of mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah, win-win. You know, everybody's typical, the typical subscription model that most people are familiar with is a mobile phone. Mm. Pretty much everyone's got one. It's on a contract. A lot of people are paying as you go, but the contract one is, I'm always going to be able to use my phone if I've paid my bill. Netflix, I'm always going to be able to watch something on TV if I've paid my subscription. And to have that issue in the morning where the car doesn't start and to think, oh, I've already paid. Or my payment goes out next week and it's covered. It's great. I need a battery. I need a recovery. I haven't got to pay 450 for the battery plus 100 for the recovery plus 100 for the call out, whatever it might be. That's already been covered by my payment. And the services due in a couple of months. Ah, oh, that's already been covered. You know. Yeah. So this is the idea with it. It it benefits the business, obviously, and I I'd I'd never I'm I'm not interested in in cloak and dagger stuff and smoke and mirrors. The fact of the matter is it benefits the business because yeah. but it but it benefits us in a way to be able to offer a better service. And it also helps with customers to reduce their unexpected expense. You know, we we've always said to people that, that have certain types of cars, look, the only way to budget your expense on vehicles is to go and get a rental what a stupid mm. thing to have to say <laughs> yeah because we're in the business of fixing cars we don't fix rental cars right we just don't we're out of their price point for rental car companies which is mm. fair enough but we're just throwing business away we're telling customers to rent a car and we're never going to see them again well you know how do we employ our staff and pay their salaries and support 25 families if we're mm. not getting cars through the door so we've got a duty of care to the customer but we've also got one to the business and and i think if we can get that we'll we'll do it on a trial it's going to be a trial so there'll be invites sent to maybe 25 30 people Mm. and we'll say look you're in an exclusive invite only this is the information here regardless of whether it works for us or not you're covered for a year we're going to trial it and if it works then that's your rate for the rest of your time wanting to pay for it regardless of what we decide to implement going forward. And, you know, we might say the price point is tiered. Mm. We might have tier one, tier two, tier three. We might say it's 250, 350, 450, whatever it may be. And then when we've done the trial, we might say, can't do that. We need to be 455, 56, 50, but your price will be fixed if, you know, you've signed up. And I'm I'm keen to get that going. It's it's good. And we've got payment platforms here that, that now allow that. I was talking to Andrew about one yesterday, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot of work to do. Something I never thought I'd be doing when I <laughs> started my apprenticeship yeah. twenty years ago, whenever it was. But it's it's a different side of the business, which I appreciate yeah. getting to know about. Yeah, innovation. Yeah, Man, interesting. I hate to say it, it's time to roll down the garage door. Go and put this podcast to sleep. We'll do it all again real soon. Glenn Power from PowerWorks Automotive. This is the PowerWorks Podcast. My name's James Pikeaway. We'll be back with you really, really soon.